Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon trading card games premiere podcasting duo. I'm Riley Holbert, joined, as always, by my good, good friend, Mr. J.W. Crewall. J.W., how's it going today? I've been demoted. <laughs> Compared to last week, you're saying? Compared to last week, I'm now only a good, good friend instead of a good, good, good friend. Well, you know, I think the two is kind of the flow of it, but... You know, it's definitely week, in I, the lore. The, the third one kind of just felt good last it felt right last week you know it felt it felt good 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 last week not quite it didn't feel good 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 but it did feel good with one i recognized that as the screen was coming up i was like mean mugging the camera like i (laughs) i had this like really like like sorrow sorrowful (laughs) face on i don't know i've been staring at computer screens like too much and i you know how like when your eyes want you to not look at light like they'll go kind of like you know they'll keep their lids down yeah that's how i feel like i am right now just in general so my eyes are like i can't open my eyes fully because they don't my eyes don't want to receive the light actually no i was in the process of saying you you need to get blue light glasses but don't you already have them i do but they're all the way upstairs you think i'm gonna go up two flights of stairs to get blue light glasses are you kidding me are you wearing them like throughout the day though as you're doing your class yeah no i definitely am i definitely am i just (laughs) took them out uh or i put them off for like i took a nap this afternoon so Maybe I need to get me a pair of those because I'm just I'm on a screen all day too. You do? It's amazing. Actually, I had migraines for a while. Yeah, I definitely get uh, bad migraines. Or I was days. getting I was like developing like migraine like symptoms. Like it wasn't I, I wouldn't say it was ba- as bad as a migraine because they wouldn't last very long and they weren't necessarily too like deep. But I don't normally get headaches. No, certainly like, <laughs> you know, headaches uh, of some sort. And then, yeah, blue light glasses, they definitely change things up. There you go. Well, I'll have to check. Now I can out. stare at a screen for you know fourteen hours a day with no side effects. <laughs> <laughs> Just like I always dreamed of. Exactly, man. Who knew it? Like when I was a kid playing on my Game Boy, that would just turn out to be my reality <laughs> as an adult, except with like coding and Pokemon. Yeah, and TCG I, online. Back when I used to work in the physical office. There is uh-huh. on the way to like the cafeteria area, there is this one guy who has a poster like on the front of his door. And it's so <laughs> funny to me. It cracks me up every time I see it. It's it says, I can't wait to go home so I can switch from bad screen to good screen. <laughs> <laughs> well soon. Soon it'll just all be on a screen. Like we'll all be in virtual reality and then we won't even have to leave our home to go to work. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we're kind of, for office jobs, it's almost like, what's the point of even having an office? You know, obviously, there's yeah. like the physicality of it, um, yeah. but clearly a lot of these companies are finding some level of success um, yeah. remotely. But it, it does get a little bit depressing to just be staring at a screen in the same spot, especially all day. <laughs> so. You're 100% right. So, I've started to incorporate... Like walking around my apartment at the very least, or like walking outside um, yeah. during like my lunch break, just stuff like that to you know, revitalize me. Yeah, it's a good idea. Just to refresh the brain. So, how are you doing, Riley? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm. I've been pretty tired this week for no real reason besides the fact I sit up very late on Monday. <laughs> um, but yeah, things have been good. It's it's really pretty in Madison right now. There's been like this very nice amount of snow, 
um, where it's like pretty and cool and like you like to look at it, um, but not like super intrusive on your day-to-day -day life. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Um, that's pretty cool. I really want to go ice skating. That's something I want to pursue. That'd be awesome. Wait, have you, you've ice skated before though, right? I have. I mean, I can't do any tricks or anything, but I would just like to, you know, get out and do something a little bit fun. Um, there's obviously lots of lakes in Madison. It's kind of like one of the draws of the city. Um, so plenty yep. of area to do it. Cool. Cool. So other people are just like chilling out there right now. Uh, presumably. Their... I mean, it's kind of late, but. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a lake. Uh, well, we had a river out back at our house in Michigan and we would always go. There you go. Ice skate on that. So it's pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. Pretty fun. You know so what else is pretty awesome? To... What's that? <laughs> I was going to oh, say, yeah, you know what else pretty is pretty awesome? awesome. In the Pokemon trading card game online. <laughs> How about that? We got some stuff to discuss. Most notably, Players Cup started yesterday as those keys were being distributed. And uh, there are already people with over 100 points, or should I say, person with over 100 points. I mean, maybe the leaderboard update, and there are people, but yes, there is the one at the very least, which is. Honestly, impressive effort because that takes it, it takes at least twenty keys to get to a hundred if everything goes perfectly. Um, yeah, and presumably it didn't go all perfectly for this person because they have an odd amount of points. Um, yeah, <laughs> true, true. So I just like, and then if you play, if you go all of the games, like that's three games per, so it's like sixty games. Yeah, over the and there's like there's wait time hours. between all of them, you know, like. Uh huh. You know, a lot of turnarounds. You're you like cream your opponent, and are just sitting there waiting for twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. Props to them. Um, I wanted to talk about JW and I both have not started our key adventure yet. Um, I think we're my plan is to kind of dip my feet in it this weekend, and then next weekend is going to be when I actually just hunker down. Um, <clears throat> but we have paid attention on Twitter, we pay attention to the leaderboards, and it really seems like our prediction has kind of come to fruition with Pikaram really standing up there as as one of the premier decks that people are using. Of course, those other top decks from our top six still making tons of appearances. JW, has your opinion evolved at all in the past week? Any thoughts about, you know, what people are using? Any surprises? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I wish I could say that there were i think you know we're we're in this kind of end game of our format where people are realizing oh yeah you know i think there are a number of decks that are just generally good uh one of the questions that is just going to be the proverbial question until we get more you know tier one options in the game is just going to be you know the amount of senta scourge versus the amount of lucario melmetal i think that's something that i think about because i often would like to play lucario melmetal but it just has kind of a sketchy Sent to Scorch matchup. And there are things you can do. Yeah. We've been seeing uh, the stealthy hoods make their way into Lucario <laughs> Melmetal to try to prevent Giratina from ripping off the special energy, special coating. Um, that's been a little innovation from recently. Uh, try to help that matchup, but um, it still seems generally speaking, rough, still kind of bad. Know? Yeah, still kind of bad, especially if you're playing like one stealthy hood. Right. Yeah. So at that point, like, do you almost include a Guzman Hollow for you to tag call for? Because now you need to get the Zamazenta, the special coating metal, um, yeah. and the Stealthy Hood all at the same yeah. time. <laughs> and presumably they're also going to have, like, 
other attackers that aren't just like the big Sandy Scorch VMAX. So you also have to be able to deal with those as they come up. Um, yeah. So it just seems like a lot going on. The matchup yeah, is definitely tough. Yeah, I don't know how how excited I'd be about that combo for sure. I mean, at the same time, though, like even pre um, coding Metal Energy, I felt like I would get random wins on Santa Scorch here and there where they only had like VMAXs to attack with. <laughs> And I was able to KO the Volks sure. um, with sure. the Zamazenta. So, I mean, it's still, it is possible. Like, you know, it's not a completely unwinnable matchup, but it's definitely tough. Yeah, I agree. And I, and uh, I agree you, with Riley, you that anything? I think I think Mamadal has close or good matchups versus pretty much all the other top decks that we had talked about, except yeah. the Senescorch matchup is probably one of the most poor matchups that isn't something yeah, into Lucario Metal. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just almost, it's almost irredeemable. I mean, I guess you could like play multiple hoods uh, if you're yeah. really into that kind of thing. But I think generally on the whole, like certainly without hoods and, and probably arguably with them, it's just not going to be a good matchup. So you're, yeah. you're, you're stuck there a little bit. For sure. So you know, are, are is Lucaro Memo like still at the top of your list? Are you expecting a lot of Senny Scorch in the coming weeks? Well, I, I mean, my my top decks right now are Picaram, Eternatus, and <clears throat> and Colossal. Like that hasn't really changed for me. Um, I'm probably going to do the majority of my Players Cup run with Picaram, but I certainly wouldn't leave you know Lucario Memo completely off the table if I do find that. Maybe the metagame is kind of shaping up for it. If I, especially if I don't see a lot of sense scorch in those first like five to ten keys, maybe that would be a backup option for me. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm planning to go in pretty hard with Pikaram as well. I mean, it's what I did yep. for last Players Cup, but the Crow Metal Metal yep. Metal also saw me through pretty well. Uh, it's really just if we can get a couple rounds without sending scorch, it's time to crack the old knuckles and bring them out. You know. That's right. That's right. I mean, it's. You know, it's kind of good, I think, generally to go into these Players' Cup tournaments. Like, if, if you're very confident in a deck that maybe takes one bad matchup, um, I, I think that's okay. Because I think, uh, you know, there's a high chance that you're not going to see that. There are just so many decks that right. one can play right now. Um, so there's a pretty good chance that you're not going to see your bad matchup. So if you have, like winnable or, or favorable matchups with everything else that you expect to see and you just have that one that's kind of on the fence or, or very unfavorable then you know what be confident in it and uh and go for it yeah for sure yeah. so let's talk about then how people are doing in the players cup and you know how we expect things to shake out so we already alluded to this we have one player at the top of the leaderboard right now with over 100 points that's xx pokey kirby I think that's what their username is intended to be. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's pretty impressive. I'm curious how many keys they've burned. I wish, I almost wish the leaderboard had like another column that had like keys remaining or keys used. Um, because sure. it, that would be a really interesting like data point to work off of. Um, but we have a couple other players that are still up there in like the 80s. Um, the second and third place having 88 and 86 points respectively. Uh, yeah. JW, you know, compared to Players Cup 2, where are we expecting this one to really land for that top 256? I don't know. I've been seeing a few people that have been, like, ripping through um, ripping through keys and, like, getting pretty high reps. So uh, I've seen Dan on Derko. Shout out to you, man. Uh, four wins in the first four keys. 
Um, I saw that on Twitter, and then I saw Chip is doing pretty well, from what I understand, with his keys. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it seemed – I don't know what would make – I mean, I don't think that this Players' Cup is any easier or – you know, maybe probably not even any harder than the other one, but it does seem like from what I've seen, uh, certainly a lot of players that are going to burst through that, you know, kind of 90 point threshold that we kind of think of the, at least the players cup two having, uh, I think there'll be a lot more players this time around in the, in the hundreds. Yeah. I'm really curious what the, um, like what the total quantity of players is going to be for this. Cause in my mind, the determining factor largely for how many points is going to be the threshold is how many people are playing at all. Because when you think of like yeah. the bell curve, right, you'll have the more people are playing, the, the smaller percent of the total that 256 will be, which brings you like further to the edge of that curve. Yeah. Um, so my initial inclination is that maybe there would be less people playing in that in this player's cup compared to the previous one because there seemed sure. to be like a lot of frustration around the 50 keys but i can't maybe that was just a meme and people are actually really into this <laughs> so <laughs> uh, i definitely think it won't be lower than before yeah. at least not yeah. significantly i i think that like 90 to 100 threshold that we talked about a couple months ago is still like a good thing to shoot for um yeah but you know yeah. <laughs> seeing these early these people who are plowing through their keys early just makes you <laughs> kind of anxious i guess yeah for sure for sure <laughs> one one note on the players cup and you'll hear me say this uh over and over i think during the next month but um you just you are not your record in the players cup so if you walk away 50 keys and you get you know 50 points or or lower i guess you know like you're not your record so so make sure to keep pokemon and who you are as a person like separate from each other because your self-worth like is never going to come from doing well at uh, at one of these online events for sure for sure so well cool i mean without too many games under our own belts is there any other like preliminary comments you want to make about the players cup i mean we're really only like a full day in at this point so yeah i wish i mean i wish i could say something more um i think it's it is hard like you said there's not really a lot of data that comes out except what people share and generally speaking the people that are going to share are going to be the people that are uh feel or are you know doing well so it's going to be hard to gauge precisely where we're at in terms of you know what's been doing well and uh you know kind of a point threshold until we get closer you know week three week four for sure, for Sorry. sure. So let's transition over then to our next point of discussion. So we're going to do our card of the day, but I do want to just like preliminary notify, if you have any questions about Players' Cup um, or general Pokemon, be sure to leave those in the chat and we'll get to those at the end of the cast today. Um, yeah. So JW, bring us home with card of the day. Yeah, card of the day. Well, this was a card that I pulled in a single crystal guardians pack that i got from it was like a dick sporting uh, it was at the mall oh oh dunham's i don't know if you've ever heard of dunham's, dunham's. what is dunham's i've not heard of dunham's, dunham's is like a sporting goods store Interesting. so why so, do they have pokemon cards because <laughs> like you know how just like random establishments will just have like a check at yeah, the, the checkout check line boosters yeah yeah, yeah so sure. they had <laughs> they had Crystal Guardians, and this must have been, 
I want to say I was a little older. Like, I think I was either in college or like senior year of high school or something. And I was like, okay, "Eh, okay, I'll get a pack. You know, I got like five bucks in my pocket. Like, I'll just get this Crystal Guardians pack. Like, I knew Crystal Guardians was a little older of a set. You know, I didn't know too much about like the history of it or anything. Uh, I knew it was a little bit of an older set. And I said, sure, you know, you don't see these around a lot. I'm only seeing my heart gold, soul, silver stuff. So I'll pick one of these up and I get it, get it home, open it up. You know, wasn't really thinking too much of it. And I ripped, uh, it was the crystal guardians Charizard. So this oh, is wow. the Delta species, Delta species Charizard with the yellow and the silver. And it's a <laughs> dual type of lightning and, metal and it has this you know pretty underwhelming attack a metal burn 120 discard a bunch of energy and it has a you know a little, a little ability once during your turn you play charizard from your hand look at the top five cards and choose as many energy as you like and attach them to one of your pokemon so it's kind of like oh i don't know like a toga kiss or something like that right you know, or a pick a peck so kind of a cute little card i really liked it Ended up sleeving it, got it graded, didn't get the grade I wanted. It's like a seven, but it'll <laughs> always be that little nostalgia trip from that time that I went to Dunham's. So what did you go to Dunham's for if it wasn't for Pokemon cards? I, I This is where I'm trying to remember because I think <laughs> it's since changed. So I feel like, because I know it was Dunham. So I think I could actually like probably map out like at least the years uh that i could have potentially purchased this charizard <laughs> based on yeah when this was a dunham's versus when it was any other store but i think it was in high school because i was going to get like a piece of equipment for lacrosse <laughs> when i was playing sense. lacrosse so yeah, for sure the the man bun phase really fits into that lacrosse persona that you had for yourself. Dude, I wish I had I wish I had the man bun during lacrosse. <laughs> that would have been sweet. I did have a little bit of longer hair, but it wasn't it wasn't man bun worthy then. For sure. Well, that's really cool. I I love those stories when people get the one pack and it's something magical inside. That's so memorable. Yeah, that's right. That exactly was me. It's cool. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. I feel like that was kind of the the way Charizards went back then too. They had some stupid attack cost, and it discarded ridiculous amount of energy after. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I never really played with it. We we did have a Pokemon club in high school, but I did have a little collection of things. I was like, oh, this might be kind of cool, like in the future. And so that was one of them that I tried to preserve, keep well, uh, well maintained. For sure. I also, I don't know about you, but I thought Delta species were pretty cool, like conceptually. Yeah, the dual typing and the and the weird, the weird dual typing. Yeah, yeah the, was... weird, the really weird dual typing sometimes. Yeah, I don't really understand the lore behind it. It was something like they were on an island or something. Yeah, it was like some things... special island or Pokemon evolved differently or something. Yeah, um... I I didn't understand the lore, but it was it made for some pretty cool cards. I don't think we'll ever see it again, but. <laughs> I do like cool. when the packs have lore, though. That's always fun. Yeah, like when the, when the TCG kind of diverges, right? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I just I, I like to see the TCG have like these creative bits for itself. Yeah, definitely. Completely agree. <laughs> so let's jump in then to our next topic, though. 
which we wanted to give some some tips and tricks around the players cup um not necessarily exclusively for the players cup but you know tips in general to up your game um so we have a couple for you here today i think we'll go through about three here um jw why don't you bring us to the first one yeah sure so i mean the first one very obvious but one of my personal goals for players cup is just to check all my prizes every single time uh that is like that is a manageable goal that you know we may have the goal of making it on to the next day of competition or um you know i mean winning the players cup i guess should be a goal for everybody that enters if if they're taking it seriously but um you know, one of those many manageable goal, like goal within a goals is certainly to check prizes. And so um, that's my, that's my goal for players cup three is to just make sure that I check every single time that I play a game that I know what's prized. Um, going along with that, we were talking about kind of what to do with that knowledge. I think that's something that you, that we were both talking about. That would be something great to kind of go a little bit more in depth on, on the cast, but what do you do now? Now that you know your prizes i think there are certain plays that you can make that are you know with that with that advanced knowledge like you're going to take prizes on your opponent's pokemon presumably if you you know can attack and so knowing what you may get can influence the decisions that you have agreed yeah i think there's two key elements to knowing your prizes and that's first one is knowing obviously what's not in your deck um, so and playing around that. So if you have your Tapu Koko Prism Star prize and Picaram, obviously that influences the way that you play the game. You know you rely more heavily on Bolton, for example, to get your stuff going. Um, maybe you prize three welders, and so that first welder is really really critical and making sure it gets onto the right Pokemon. Uh, there's all sorts of ways that can obviously play into your game. But then there's the next level, and I think this is the level that's less appreciated. Like you you called out is. Um, using that foreknowledge like okay you know i have three prizes left and two of them are welder um so i want to make sure that next turn i can use that welder effectively um and maybe leaving some fire energy in your decks that way you can continue to draw cards when you welder um those kinds of plays i think are the ones that are more often overlooked when you're checking your prizes so not only understanding what your prizes are but tracking them throughout the game and thinking about how the prizes as you take them will factor into your next couple of turns. And obviously no yeah. prize is guaranteed until the last one, which doesn't really matter. Um, but still you can have different plans of attack for like your next turns, depending on what you draw, um, which I think is is pretty critical to like upping your game to like the really top level is understanding those situations. Sure. Yeah, that's a really great point. It's just, it's very interesting how, um, how, yeah, the prizes offer you two different ways of looking at them, right? Like um, you could, knowing that you have a draw supporter in in your prizes, like you could take the, the cheap prize now with the understanding that, you know, maybe your hand's dead and you need that prize to get to try to draw into that draw supporter. I've definitely um, done that too. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And that just all changes. Like if you don't have any idea of what's going on, like if you have no idea of, of that being there in the first place you can never make that play and then if you know what's prized then you have to use that knowledge to you know ad advance your advance your uh, your game plan so for sure for sure um so let's go into tip number two here and this is one that 
kind of hits home for me because I tend to fall victim to this sometimes. And that's spinning your deck and doing it properly. Um, yeah. So I think in Pokemon, there's a lot of emphasis on sequencing, um, especially when you talk about like upping your game and sequencing properly and making sure that you're thinning your deck and doing the right things. So if you're trying to draw a certain, like a boss's orders off of Dedenne, you know, very commonly you'll play your quick balls and draw your Pokemon that you don't need anymore and discard those. That's clear, like important tenet to Pokemon because Pokemon, you draw so many cards, it's really important that you thin yeah. out the cards that you need and are getting to those important outs to win your games. Um, yep. I also want to talk, though, to the flip side of that. So we talked about the two different sides of prizes. Um, the flip side of thinning is the fact that you're getting rid of things. And this kind of goes to like a, a larger topic of resource management, and maybe that's something that we yeah. should dive into more on the cast, and probably something we should dive into more on the cast in the future. Um, but something I've personally fallen victim to is I will thin to my immediate future, um, but then you know a couple turns down the line, there's something that came and out sure. that is now gone from my deck. Um, an yeah. example that I was talking with with JW was sometimes in like a Pikaram matchup, you will thin the second Pikaram after you have used the first, and usually you don't need two Pikaroms. Um, there are cases though where maybe you do and. Mm -hmm. They usually aren't obvious on first glance. Um, <laughs> but then you end up in these weird situations where, okay, I've thinned out my second Pikaram. I need this one to like actually execute the game-winning plan. You know, what sure. do I do instead? And you know, now my game plan's all messed up. Um, so the message here, I guess I want to drive home, is just like prizes, you're walking a line when you're thinning your deck and understanding what is relevant to thin versus what is the future game plan with my deck is the next level you can go to there yeah yeah what um what would be a way to do that would you say like if you if you're hearing the cast you know and you're hearing riley and he's talking about this like riley what would you suggest being a way to um practice that or or i guess even or maybe understand that that's what's happening in in certain situations Sure. I think sometimes, I think a lot of it comes, frankly, from experience. It's not something that you can necessarily see offhand. Um, but it's it's really having the forethought to say, what does my opponent's next two turns look like? I think that's going to yeah. be usually what Pokemon, the most immediate thing that you have to think about in Pokemon is like your opponent's next turn and probably their turn after that, because usually you have, a good, you have a good idea of what your next turn is going to be as well. Um, yeah. And if in that next two turns you're doing something that could perhaps take away an important out, then maybe you shouldn't do that thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that, that goes beyond just thinning your deck. That, like, that goes to playing researches. That goes to playing uh, quick balls and Marnies. Um, yeah. All those kinds of things count. Um, you know, another good example is of where you maybe overthin is where you like preemptively grab something from a quick ball and then you get Marnied. So now you've lost the Pokemon in your hand and you don't have a quick ball to search it out. So Sure. Um, yep. you know these things add up you'll notice them more over time but I guess the most important element of that is thinking of what your opponent's next turn will be and potentially their turn after that and once you have a good sense of what your opponent's doing you'll have a better sense of what you need to have available to you to respond yeah and it's definitely not one of those things that's 
I, like it's easier said than done, right? I think it's the same with, you know, checking your prizes and being able to synthesize that information into your next moose. It's something easier said than done, but um, this is where I, I would say kind of physical in-person testing and like you said, experience uh, certainly plays into um, being able to develop these skills where you have the ability to kind of take back situations you know we can't really do that on pcgo and if pcgo is the only place that you can practice your game like you're certainly not um completely exempt from being able to practice these strategies but um you know generally like in game play you can go ahead and throw cards and and be able to walk through these certain situations without being affected by a timer without being affected by uh the constraints of pcgo so um, i mean i think even beyond tcgo though like and and real life testing just the, the act of testing kind of trains that muscle right like yeah. you see more situations yeah you are more familiar with both your deck and your opponent's deck and you understand like what they're trying to do i think in the if in the short term this is a skill that you're trying to practice i would recommend just like mapping out your opponent's next turn in your head like try and predict what that next turn will look like based on your knowledge of the game state and if you get it yeah. right then you're heading in a good direction if you get it wrong like take note of what things happen differently and did it work out for them did it not would you have played that turn differently um like actively think about those things and maybe it's just one turn out of every game that you like really think really hard about and predict them to like an exact card um but if you actually take that time and practice that skill um you'll find yourself in less and less of these like destructive situations sure great point all right so our our last tip was one that's Close to JW and I both, because we both like to do this, and that's keeping track of your games. So JW, do you want to keep? Do you want to dive into that a little bit here? Sure. I I think keeping track of games. I mean, that's something that we've talked about on the cast like plenty of times before. And if you've ever, uh, if we've ever worked together on coaching, yeah, I've probably talked to you about this. Or if you've ever been in like one of my streams, I've probably talked about it. But uh, recording your games is. Um, certainly can be another avenue for you to, um, you know, figure out what went wrong. Or maybe generally I find that it's better for kind of deck, um, deck uh, uh, decisions, you know, if you're deciding, okay, well, what kind of text do I want to make or how do I want my list to look? Or is this, you know, metagaming decisions, is this the right play if I'm losing, you know, so many times to the, deck y and i'm playing deck x maybe should i switch to deck z i mean it's it's kind of that can be a little bit more beneficial for this writing down the games but um when writing down your games can come in very handy in terms of upping your game is when you can record accurately the like pivotal turns yeah where you didn't quite know what was the right move and then you record what happened. So if you're like, okay, well, uh, here I'm going to, you know, full blitz with my peek around, but I don't know what to put my energy onto. And so you say, okay, I'm going to put it onto my active. And, you know, so my peek around is going to have six energy. And then you end up losing that game. Okay. So you can kind of go back and say, oh, okay, well, I, I did it all to the active. And then the immediate response from my opponent was that they, you know, knocked it out. And then I didn't have enough energy left to finish the game. Oh, okay. I see that I shouldn't have attached all my energy to the active. That's a very like <laughs> base level, but you get the idea of there are these times in the game where 
you have to run through some hoops in terms of the logic of what you are doing and uh, what you want to do. And just being able to record that and go back and kind of put yourself back in that position later on and really figure out, okay, did, was that the right play? Was that the wrong play? Maybe it worked out for me here when it shouldn't have, or maybe it didn't work out when it should have. And just being able to put yourself in that position again in the future, I think is really helpful. For sure. I mean, another thing I'll call out within that is even if you don't actively reference your spreadsheets or your notes for a lot of things, um, the act of recording it and writing it down will help you imprint it into your memory, right? So, um, I mean, this is tried and true psychology where uh, writing something down makes it stick better in your mind. Um, and so what I would really recommend echoes a lot of what JW said, like record the, the decks you've played, the decks your opponent's played, and then just like a quick sentence or two about like what the most pivotal moment of that game was. Like what was yeah. what was the decision that you made that was really important? Was the matchup just that good for you? Write that down. Um, was there some choice that your opponent made or some tech that your opponent played that um, made the game a lot more difficult for you or maybe made the game easier for you? Um, like write down those key things, those key instances where things were important and game-changing all of a sudden you'll be able to much better synthesize like why am i playing this deck you know why am i doing this thing why am i taking this action um yeah and especially if you're trying to prep for an event um so maybe you haven't decided yet for players cup just run a gauntlet you know take a couple a good sample size out of a couple different decks and see what your matchups actually are looking like um yeah and you'll hopefully be able to make an informed decision from there i mean you can i mean you can do excel magic too if you really want to and like try and get like (laughs) expected value kind of stuff uh, that's like taking it to the next next level maybe unnecessarily so but you know certainly something yeah. i've tried yeah i mean there's certainly like only so much you can do i, I guess but uh, <laughs> yeah like like you say you know make make some decisions and, and try to really work your work your way through it uh and that's going to be super helpful for you in the long run for sure for sure i mean i know i try and employ all three of these different strategies pretty frequently i'm a huge fan of the spreadsheet i love to you know try and predict my opponent's moves and uh, make sure my deck is prepared and um of course like tracking prizes is the element um yeah i i think all three of these topics are honestly really interesting and i, I kind of want to revisit them more in depth in like an individual cast in the future so um, yeah is that something yeah that you'd definitely like to this, hear? this probably yeah this probably won't be the last you hear uh of these yeah, and if it is something that you're interested in as well, like please give us that feedback. We'd love to love to know what's working for you. Um, that said, those are really the key things that we wanted to discuss in today's episode. Quick reminder that we are taking some questions here at the end today. We, I see one in the chat right now. Um, so be sure to drop those if you haven't already. Um, but we'll start right there from the top. Um, so M Anderson six five four five asks, "What was your guys' most break the format deck you ever brought to a tournament?" Um, so I think both JW and I probably have obvious answers to this. Um, yeah, mine was easily my Zorg um, Hex Maniac Muck deck that I had brought with the red cards to Dallas Regionals. I mean, it really just steamrolled the event and kind of it wasn't the exact list that ended up defining Zorark, but it was the archetype that ended up defining Zorark uh, using Hex Maniac and disruption alongside those puzzles of time and you know ultimately hex maniac got banned because that kind of strategy was too powerful so <laughs> that's uh that's a pretty like strong um 
a strong indicator that your deck was too good, right? If your card gets banned. <laughs> Probably so. Uh, so my, I mean, so I have, you know, obviously the regional win with uh, Rauig, which was just an insanely busted medical. But um, I, I want to actually highlight a deck that I brought to a tournament in, oh, it must have been 2015. So Paul Lucha... There was this fighting type Hall Lucha that had free retreat and it had like 70 HP and it did more damage if your opponent or maybe it did it only did damage. It only I think it was like it yeah, did it only attack. Yeah, it did it did 80 was it 80 damage or 60 damage 60. if your opponent's it was 60. Okay, yeah, yeah. It was 60 damage for one fighting if your opponent's active was an EX Pokemon. So it was primarily used against like the seismitoads of the world um, could be used against like Eveltal and stuff like that. But, you know, seismitoad generally speaking uh, was where it was at. And then did it have some other like weird ability or something? I can't remember. It, anyway, I think it didn't hit for weakness or resistance. Yeah, it didn't hit for weakness or resistance. I definitely remember that, but there was, I feel like there was something else weird about it. I think that's like there was. Okay, anyway, I must be... It's just it was weak to retreat, lightning, I guess. And not, like, other traditional fighting weaknesses. Ah, uh, okay. Okay, that could have been it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so anyway, I took this deck to Canada, and I, like, obliterated... So it, it featured Halucha, like, four Halucha, four Focus Sash, which is a <laughs> card that if you have full HP as a fighting type and they go to knock you out, you actually survive with one HP remaining. Uh, or 10 HP remaining, I should say. And so you play four of those, and I play like uh, like crushing hammers, I think, and enhanced hammers, and um, like max potions, so I could heal off that Halucha that just had the one energy. <laughs> and I had like Lucario, which also was a generally cheap attacker, could attack for one energy and two energy and three energy. Uh, so it was really just this fight guys deck with a bunch of disruption, and I'd swept through this tournament like it was it was a local tournament so it wasn't i didn't ever get the chance to like really bring it to a regionals or anything like that which i'm <laughs> sure, sure i would have done really well but that city season i i got like three or four wins i think with that deck alone but i took it to this one tournament no one was prepared for it i went like four and oh into the last round and the guy's like hey man if you just id with me then i'll make cut at 301 and i'm like and eh, no i'd rather play it out <laughs> And I just, so I just beat him and he gets knocked out of cut. And then I just sweep through cut like a perfect, like, you know, I, I don't think I lost a game on the day or maybe I lost a game at top eight or something like that, but it was just that's an really absolute, funny. like, it, that's like just the perfect tournament. I think back on that day fondly. <laughs> that's so funny. We love yeah. to see that. Yeah, you do. I don't normally remember things like that. Um, like deck tournaments, really. They just kind of come and go in my mind, but that one stuck out to me for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. We got another question from the real Magnitian, Um, and that is what decks are you leaning towards to start the players' cup with? Uh, I'm definitely gonna go my first key with Pikaram. That's a no-brainer for me. Yeah, I mean that is the defining deck of the time. And really you look at it, there's there's not a lot that counters it. You know, you could you could maybe play into like a colossal deck. Um, but even then, like Colossal, you got the Mewtwo's to counter that. Like you could play against the Lucario Melmetal, but um, you know, even then, it can be pretty favorable depending on when you um, use your Coco and how you accelerate your energy. So 
yeah, it's pretty crazy just how much the deck can do in any situation. Sure, for sure. So I have one more question for you to round out the day, JW. Um, you've been making a lot of YouTube videos recently. I've been a really big fan of those. I want to know, of all the YouTube kind of tier meme decks that you've worked on past, I don't know, let's go a couple months, which of those is the funniest or your favorite? Which one is the funniest that I've done recently? Or like the most satisfying combo that you've done? Like ever or recently? Recently. So let's go like last quarter, last three months. Last quarter. Oh, that's that's tough, man. That's really, <laughs> really tough. Because there have been some bangers, dude. There have been some um, bangers, yeah. I think, I mean, I think it has to be anything with Clefairy. Clefairy's become my, my like, de facto, <laughs> like, new, like, squad mate over here. I love Clefairy and that flip attack. It's got the mini metronome for twin energy, and if you flip heads, you get to use one of your opponent's attacks. And it's, like, pretty much, like, by and large, a useless attack. Unless you're playing against Zashin-based decks, and then you just flip heads, and you <laughs> you have a good day, and, and life is good. So I would say anything that involves Clefairy is probably one of my favorites. That's funny. Yeah, I, I do notice you playing that Clefairy card. <laughs> <laughs> so good, bro. <laughs> the card is, like, so awful, except in this one Chill. situation. <laughs> you're gonna hurt its feelings i mean i'm a i'm a cool fairy fan for sure i thought for sure that you would say the baby trio deck um oh really yeah that one was kind of tough to pull off though i guess okay baby trio is a little yeah it's a little sketchy and also i've done it a lot i i think it's <laughs> like my third or fourth video on baby trio in some <laughs> yeah, so. out at this point. yeah he's a little he's a little played out for sure so <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Well, thank you all so much for tuning in and checking us out. If you're looking to hear more awesome competitive content as we go through the Players' Cup 3, be sure to drop us a follow both on your podcasting platforms and on Twitter. That's going to be at Tag Team Pokemon on Twitter and as well our own individual Twitters at SmilesRiles and at RealJohnWalter. Leave us a rate and review if you like it or if you don't and let us know what we can improve. And we will catch you all next time. Peace. See ya.